Hey, this is Abby Sachek. Welcome to the New Culture Church podcast. Our vision is to create the culture of Christ in Madison, one person, one place at a time. We believe this happens through being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what He did. And we hope that the teachings and the content you find here will help you do just that. We also know that these are trying times, so if you need anything at all, please reach out to us through our website. We would love to connect with you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. So I would say I'm a part of the New Culture family, extended family. What's up? Um, And so, uh, like they said, my name is Chris, and um, I have the pleasure alongside my beautiful wife, Sarah, right here. She traveled with me. Uh, We pastor a church in Chicago called Rhythm Church, and I was so, so glad to be here. Um, I'm so grateful for my wife. Um, I could not uh, do this thing called church planting and pastoring without her, and so just so grateful for her. Um, And also, we're just so grateful to be in new culture. We're thankful for for Abby and um, and, and Ned Melise and uh, just the relationship and everything we've been able to build and be the kingdom of God together. I think how many know that it's not just about one church name, but it's about one name and that's the name of Jesus. And so we endeavor to do that. We endeavor to link arms with people who are passionate about the kingdom of God and seeing God's kingdom come to pass here on earth. And so I'm super excited to be here. Uh, We had Nedma come down a couple weeks ago and and be with us. And so today I get to share with you and I'm so, so excited. We are uh, in a message series, we've been talking, uh, the title of the series is This is the Way. Any Mandalorian fans in the room today? Anybody? Nobody? Just one? Okay. We got two. All right. I mean, Baby Yoda was the thing like a year ago, guys. Come on. Um, so we're talking about This is the Way. We're looking at the book of Luke. And I think one of the things that this uh, message series has really done for me is helped me see uh, how to fo- actually practice and follow Jesus. You see, in a world where things are very chaotic and uh, there's many streams and many different facets or nuances of following God, I just think it's important that we have it laid out clearly and plainly for us what it looks like to be people that follow the way of Jesus. And so today I would encourage you with the thought this is the way. And um, today we're going to be continuing on. We're at Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Last week was uh, we were at the beginning of Luke chapter 10. And this week we're going to be diving into a very, very popular passage of scripture. And so I know it's very easy when you hear a scripture, maybe you've heard before, to just automatically throw your mind into that frame. But I'd love for us to take fresh eyes onto this passage that we're going to read today and allow God to speak to us about the way and how we should follow Jesus and how the kingdom of earth comes, kingdom of heaven comes to earth. So let me read really quick. Bear with me. It's a little bit long. We're going to start at uh, verse 25. And on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Then verse 28, he says, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But then he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Look over to the person to your left and say, who is my neighbor? Look over to the person to the right. Say, who is my neighbor? 
That's an important question. We'll, we'll be talking about that today. And in reply, Jesus said this to the man. So this is the story. This is the world famous uh, Good Samaritan story. It says a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And then the next day, um, took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense that you may have. And then verse 36 says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And he answered and said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Today, I want to talk to you from this title, this thought. This is the way to love. This is the way to love. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to gather, to be in the house, uh, to lift up your name. We, we thank you that um, we can come and wherever we are, wherever we are on the spectrum, wherever we are on the map, wherever our background or wherever our history, God, that we all are coming to a place to come to know and be more like Jesus. Lord, help us. Give me the words to speak tonight. And God, uh, let them be your words, not just my words, not just my ideas, but God, let them be your thoughts. And my most important prayer is, God, not my will be done, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we're looking at this story, um, the story of the Good Samaritan. Like I told you, it's a very popular passage. A lot of people know it. And um, I think this is a really, really, really fundamental, foundational uh, type of thing when it talks, when it comes to following Jesus. When you ask yourself, what does it mean to follow Jesus? You see, at the beginning of the passage, they're asking Jesus this question, like, what does it mean to inherit the kingdom of heaven? What does it mean to get eternal life? What does it mean to be and live with Jesus forever? They're asking Jesus the question, and Jesus pretty much synthesizes the gospel in one uh, a very succinct phrase. And Jesus simply, uh, and then the answer comes back to this, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know that can seem overly simplistic and it can be like, well, that's it. That's all you have to do to follow Jesus. That's all you have. And I, I want us to really count the cost of what that um, phrase is essentially telling us. I think as we look at this, those are the two takeaways. Like I said, the gospel can be summed up into two phrases. Love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being and then love your neighbor as yourself. Both phrases are extremely important for they, if you are to follow the way of Jesus, you can't just do one. You got to do both. Okay? You can't just say, oh, I'm going to love God and that's all I'm going to do and I'm just going to be alone in my corner. But no, there's something additional that God is asking us to do. 
Let's dive in really quick to that first phrase. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does it look like? That's the question. What does it look like for us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, number one, I think it it means this, is that it means with every fiber of my being, everything that I am must be in alignment, in correlation to God. I heard it say it like this, that what really, what integrity actually is, is when what we do, what we say, what we think is all in alignment. And so when I think about what it means to love God with every fiber of my being, it means that if one piece is out of whack, I can't truly be loving God with all my strength, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. And I think about what um, the passage from a couple weeks ago, maybe that was last week, um, where it talks about the heart. That out of the heart, every issue of life flows. That at the basic level of who we are, it comes from our heart. Show me a person's heart and I can show you their future. Show me a person's heart and I can tell you, is this person really surrendered to the life of following the way of Jesus? I think that loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it also means that we no longer live for ourselves. That life isn't just so that I can make a name for myself or that I can be an influencer or have all these followers or likes on Instagram or, or so I can uh, be looked to as um, a person of notoriety or, or a person that has status or a person that has things. Life is not about those things. Life, when we decide to follow Jesus, is no longer for ourselves. What it really means to be a follower of Jesus is we have the posture of a surrendered heart. That our heart is saying, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. I think about Jesus. He's in the garden. He's praying to God. And God, he's knowing he's about to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. And what was Jesus's prayer? He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. If you're going to be like Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, you must take up the posture of surrender and say, whatever happens in life, God, I'm surrendered to you. God, what do you want to do? I'd say it like this is that we cannot live the type of relationship or fellowship with God that just says, "Okay, I'm just going to go out and do my own thing and hope that God blesses it on the back end. Our posture and our mindset must change and we must change our perspective and our and our outlook and our outlook must be first. God, not my will. Your will be done in my life. Following Jesus, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength looks like following. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Following Jesus doesn't make us perfect, but following Jesus means that it should change you. That when we are leaned in, when we say, I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean that that your life never encounters obstacles. It doesn't mean you don't get frustrated. It doesn't mean any of those things. But what it means is that your life is different. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. A new creature. It says the old has passed away and the new has come. 
That when you come into relationship with Jesus, your life should look different. I think about it. Uh, I was telling our, our church this morning, I think about uh, what it looks like to live that out. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but man, when I was uh, in high school and uh, in my hometown in Oklahoma, backwoods, Oklahoma, I'm just playing, it's not that, it's not that. <laughs> Anything in Oklahoma is backwoods to me, I guess, but in, in re- relation to Chicago, obviously. But um, when I go back home, and I mean, I haven't, I've just, someone's here in the car, I'm about to. They're going to uh, have our 15-year high school reunion. And, I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm getting up there. Uh, but I was just thinking, and, and, you know, I go back occasionally, not too often, because uh, it's the worst. But when I go back, and, you know, people ask me, like, people know me from back in the day, they're like, oh, what are you, what are you doing now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually a pastor now. People are like, <laughs> You do what? You're 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 like a man of God or something? And I say that jokingly, but again, it's like when we decide to follow Jesus fully and not just like halfway or just like barely, but when we actually decide to love the Lord our God with all our soul, mind, strength, that it should look different. That we should walk different. We should be different. And again, I'm not trying to make us seem like, uh, you know, everything in our life is going to change overnight. But I think that when we are on path and trying to move and follow the way of Jesus, that the trajectory of our life will change. And so for me, when I think about what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Those are some of the things that I think of. That's not an exhaustive list, but that's just a few things that I think of. And as I was reading through the passage, I think um, it's very easy to come to the passage and read that kind of statement and read that it's a bold proclamation of loving the God with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. I mean, it's like something just gets you amped. And then it just kind of throws in on the back end and love your neighbor like yourself. And I want to submit to you today that that isn't just a throw in. That God really does mean to love your neighbor as yourself. And I would just, you know, kind of uh, summarize that as we think about a piece of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, that this is a big piece of what God is getting at here is is when we actually love our neighbor as ourself, that is super it, it takes us to a place where we are actually living out and personifying the heart of God. I'm going to dig into that here in a second, but let's dig into this second phrase. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you notice in the story, the gentleman uh, wants to justify himself. It says this in the ESV version, I I believe. Um, Verse 29, it says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Maybe ask your neighbor right now. Who is my neighbor? Ask him. You can lean over. Ask him. <laughs> Who is my neighbor? Right? All right. So, you know, I wanted to get really wordsmithy. I wanted to get real intelligent on you. So I went ahead and 
pulled out the big old uh, Thompson Bible concordance. It's like this big. And I was like, who is my neighbor? And I always love it when um, uh, there's really fancy words to say something really simple. So here's the definition. So according to the Thompson Bible concordance, any other man or woman interest irrespective of nation or religion with whom we live or whom we chance to meet. Simply put, who is my neighbor? Right? Right? I love that. It's like, you didn't have to use all those fancy words just to say everybody. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is everyone. People that I haven't even yet to meet, that is my neighbor. So when I think about uh, this sentiment or this this phrase that's being thrown out here, you really have to define who is my neighbor. And our neighbor is everyone. And so when I think about what it means to be like Jesus and to follow the way of Jesus, I think we have to love like Jesus loved and run and, and live like Jesus live. And so Jesus is saying, love everyone. Now, if we're being honest, I think we can uh, find ourselves, uh, if we're not judgmental, we can find ourselves in this story of the Good Samaritan when we look at verse 30. And I think uh, if you look at the passage, you see two men that are mentioned that see a man who has just been beaten and robbed and, and just is down in the dumps. And how many times do we, as Christ followers, in our everyday life, do what the first two do. Who would see something, see a problem, see an issue, see someone hurting, and decide to walk on the other side of the road. I'm guilty of it. I do this all the time. In Chicago, you just you, you don't know what's going to happen. So if you see somebody on the side of the road, like legitimately, like if you literally see somebody, you may just like walk on the other side because you don't want any situations or anything like that. You just got to be careful. But... I mean, how many times do we do that? And so when I'm looking at this, I, I try not to get a little too judgmental, but I find myself in these moments of how often am I in a hurry, so in a hurry that I miss what God may be trying to say? How often am I in a hurry do I miss the miracle that God could be trying to bring to pass right in front of my face? You see, a lot of times as Christians in the church, we pray for God to do these amazing things like, God, save this person, heal this person. God, we need a financial miracle. God, I need a miracle in my relationship. God, I need, uh, you know, help at school. God, I need help with getting this job. We pray all these big prayers and we're praying for miracles and those are amazing and we believe that God is the God of miracles. But what if God is trying to do a miracle by just getting you to cross the street? What if we're missing the miracle that God is wanting to do right in front of our face? Now, when we think about a neighbor, let's just think practically for a second here. Sometimes when we're thinking about a neighbor, I think we only think about people who are in close proximity to us, meaning um, my physical geographical neighbor to the left or to the right, or we live in an apartment, uh, excuse me, we live in a three flat in Chicago, so my upstairs neighbor, my downstairs neighbor, that's how we kind of think as neighbors, what a neighbor is. 
And then sometimes maybe it's, uh, you know, the people in my uh, racial community, my people of the same ethnicity as me. Maybe you uh, think of it as people that are in my same uh, school class or maybe the same um, kind of year in school or maybe it's the same socioeconomic uh, bracket we would find ourselves in. That's what we kind of consider a neighbor. But again, the point is, is our neighbor is everyone. And then on the other hand, on the far opposite end of the spectrum, maybe we uh, don't view it that way. Maybe we view our neighbor um, or people that we should love, like Jesus is telling to love our neighbor as ourselves. Maybe we are thinking of those people as people that are far from us, people that are maybe uh, in a third world country or maybe uh, people that are on the bad bad side of town, or maybe people that are, are super distant from us, and we say, oh, the, the way that Jesus is wanting us to just go and love on those people and then retreat back to where we're from, but what if God is just calling us to love the people that are around us and in the sphere of influence that we're in, and what if God is saying not just to view our neighbor as proximity, close or far, but what if God is saying neighbor is everyone? What would it look like if we loved our neighbor as ourself? Again, both of these phrases are extremely important for us to follow the way of Jesus. You cannot just do one. You got to do both. As I was preparing for this message, um, man, this scripture just came to my heart. And and honestly, I just think this exemplifies when we look at the story or we look at the parable again of of the good Samaritan, I just feel like this personifies the heart of God and what God's heart is. And this is first John chapter four. I'm going to read verse seven through 21. And it says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Point here is if you do not love your neighbor, you cannot truly love God. You cannot say that, man, I love God and I'm I'm so on fire. I'm so passionate and I want to do everything that God's called me to do, but not willing to cross the street. If we are not willing to love those that are around us, those that are far, near, whatever, if we're not willing to love everyone, we cannot truly love God. Verse 9 says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his one and only Son into the world, so that He may, so that we may live through him. Verse 10, In this love, it's not that you... It's not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Here's a here's a here's a good one. Verse 12 says no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, then God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The point to the two phrases is that love your neighbor as yourself isn't just a throw-in. It's not just the end of a sentence, oh, you know, and love your neighbor as yourself. No, it's, it, it's, it's so important to actually loving God that when we love God and then we love our neighbor, 
It actually means that God's love is being personified, that the person of Jesus is visiting people through the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. I love the thought of so that we may live through him. Here's the reality is that in the middle of this divided world we live in, because we know that this world is divided over just Anything. We can divide ourselves over anything. Just, you want to start a fight? Uh, go on Facebook and state an opinion. <laughs> you started a fight. You started World War III. Go on Facebook and say, or come to New Culture Church and say, the Packers are the worst and everyone will hate you. Okay? Okay, nobody hates me. Right, cool. <laughs> I don't like the Packers, just so you know. Um, <laughs> so this. When I, when I think about that, I think about how divided our world is and how easy it is to be just so um, combative and divisive. And I think about this, and the reality is, is that loving your neighbor as yourself isn't just some fleshly plan or some cool idea that you can just do in your own ability or own strength. In order for us to love and show the love of Christ to our neighbor, those that are different from us, those that we have so many differences from, those that we are divided from, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. And so that's why he's saying that the hope is that we may live through him. Like I said, if any man is in Christ, any woman is in Christ, they are a new Creature, They're a new creation. And we live through Jesus now. Verse 13 says, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. 14. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent us, sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. And he and God 16 so that we come to know and believe that the love of God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. There's that word again. And God abides in him. Here's an observation from the passage that if you are going to love like Jesus loves, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you are going to have to abide in Christ. You're going to have to uh, understand that this is not a work of the flesh. This is a work of the spirit that only by the spirit of God can you love people who look different than you. Only by the spirit of God can you love people who are opposed or have different views than you. Yet and still, these things are very drastic. These things can be huge. But again, the commandment is not to only love those who look like you, who vote like you, who talk like you, who listen to the same music as you, who dress like you, who go to the same school as you. The commandment is to love your neighbor. And that's everybody. I'm almost done here. By this, love perfected in, excuse me, by this, love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for on the day of judgment, because as he is in this world, so are we. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. A couple more verses. We love because Christ first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen and cannot love. Uh, excuse me, I said that wrong. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So as I close, uh, just had three really quick thoughts uh, based on the passage today. And then we're going to we're going to sing a little bit and respond. The three quick thoughts. And maybe this is uh, isn't uh, rocket science. I know this isn't like super profound, but I believe that if you listen to what I'm trying to say, that maybe this could mean something to you. Maybe this could help reveal to you what God's heart is through loving your neighbor. The first thing is this. If we're going to follow the commandment to love God, that means we have to love everyone. Like I said, our neighbor is everyone. It's every single person. It's the person that uh, you're frustrated with. It's the person um, that hurts you. It's the person um, that blasts you on Facebook. It's the person uh, that you see and, and, and feelings boil up inside of you. It's everyone. And again, like I said, you know, this is not just something you can do and just try to power through and like, ah, I guess I'll I guess I'll love that person. I guess I'll help that person. This isn't one of those things. The second thought is that if we're going to love our neighbor, love is a work of the spirit. We're going to have to take the posture that this is going to take God for us to truly love our neighbor. We're going to have to take the posture that says not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, God. By your spirit. That's how I'm going to love people. That's how I'm going to love people who've who've hurt me. That's how I'm going to not live in bitterness or walk in unforgiveness. It's by choosing to love a person as myself. And then the last thought is just this. Is we can truly love our neighbor because he first loved us. So putting everything together, we talked about loving the Lord your God with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. When I began to read that, one of the things I feel like God impressed on my heart was, you know, many people struggle with this idea of, man, how how do I love these people? Like I said, that maybe, maybe they've done something to me. How do I, like... Forgive, how do I move on? How do I press forward? How do I do this commandment? Because this isn't a suggestion, it's a commandment. How do I do this, God? How does this walk out practically? And it brought me back to that verse. And reading on first pass, like I said, it could seem like it's just a throwaway in like a love your neighbor as yourself. But I really do think it's profound that when we think about what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. It literally means to like take that other person and put them in our shoes. Think about it for a second. God, we can love our neighbor because God first loved us. Think about where we were. Think about when we were dead in our sin. Think about when we were far from God. Think about when we were not um, walking with God. Think about um, our lives. And I think about if I'm truly going to love my neighbor, I'm going to have to give that person as much leeway as I give myself. 
And that's hard. That's tough, right? I've been hurt. People have done me wrong. And I'm honest, I'll be honest with you today, uh, you know, there's a couple people if I saw on the street today, we, I, I, uh, you know, we pray and lay hands on them today, for sure. Emphasis on laying hands. Um, and so, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I get it. I get it. But guys, this isn't a suggestion. This isn't just, hey, love them if it's convenient for you or love them. Uh, you know, if they didn't do anything wrong or, or if it's not justified, but actually love them as yourself. And so I just think it's a good opportunity to respond to the command of God as we look at what it means to be a good neighbor, what it means to be and follow the way of Jesus. I think about this church and I think about the influence that you have in the city and on this campus. What would it look like for you to love your neighbor around you? What would it look like for you to share the love of Christ? So many people in this world want to go out and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but some people go out on, want to go out on the street corner and yell at people, tell them everything they've done in their life. But I don't think that's the way of Jesus. I think the way of Jesus is to love our neighbor as ourselves. The way of Jesus is that by the goodness of God, that it will draw people to repent. It will draw people to the heart of God. When we decide to say, God, I'm going to love that person. God, I'm not going to ignore that person. God, I'm not going to walk away from the situation that you may have lined up for me to just be the thing that helps this person. I'm not trying to tell you that you need to be the next, uh, every time you see somebody on the side of the road, that that's supposed to be you to stop. I'm not trying to say any of that stuff. But I'm just trying to ask you the question, what if God is calling you to love your neighbor as yourself? So as we close today, I think it's just a great opportunity. Like I said, I just feel a special sense in the room that maybe um, I just feel, yeah maybe in this moment like you hear the message and you hear the words that I'm saying and they jive and everything is cool but maybe there is a person right now that you just it's hard to love her maybe there is a situation where God is is calling you past your flesh and calling you into supernatural love for that person. I just think this is a great moment to respond and to allow God to say, like, say to God, like, God, not my will, but your will. Not my preferences, but your preferences. Not my uh, human love, but your love. And so we're going to stand, I'm going to pray, and then um, i just like to love us to sing just a little bit of this song, um, super simple song, um, and, I, and like I said, I feel like this is a moment to respond to God, and so what we're going to do is, is, as we sing, I'm just going to stand down here at the front, and if you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. And uh, we love to just, whatever situation it is, maybe it's a really bad situation. Somebody, you know, has done something so unexplainable. So, like, 
we love to pray with you because I believe that there is no situation that God can't heal. There is no situation that God can't restore. And God is faithful. And God is saying in this moment, my way is better. My way is better than holding the grudge. My way is better than letting bitterness be the thing that rules and controls your life. Be ruled and controlled by the love of God. So, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to sing. And I'll be up here in the front if you would want prayer today. God, we thank you so much right now. We uh, pray the prayer, God. Lord, let us love like Jesus loved. Let us love our neighbor as ourselves. Let us love God with all our soul, mind, and strength. But God, I'm thankful for this moment where I think you're calling people to lay down offense. I think you're calling people to lay down bitterness. I think you're calling people to lay down things that have held us back from being all that you created us to be, God. Here's what I love about God. Is that maybe in this moment, this isn't the right moment. And maybe you're going to go from this place. But let this be a seed that God has planted in your heart and in your life. Maybe you need to sit on this. Maybe you need to process. Maybe you need to all the things. But here's what I believe. The scriptures say that now unto him who is able to do far more than we ask or think or imagine. God is big enough to heal your broken heart. God is big enough to help you, show you how to be a good neighbor. God is strong enough to bear the weight of your disappointment. And so I just believe that in this moment, maybe this isn't the moment for you, but let this be a seed that you begin to cultivate and water and, and maybe, just maybe, you'll see something on the other side. And so God, we pray right now for every single person in this room under the sound of my voice that healing is in this room right now. That over situations, over disappointments, over anger, over bitterness, over unforgiveness. God, show us how to leave and live in your love. God, show us how to be a good neighbor. Show us how to love those around us. Show us not how to just come in and, and walk in and try to do this thing without you. But show us the path forward with you. Show us how to lean not to our own understanding, but to trust in you, God. Follow you, acknowledge you, and we believe that you will direct our paths, God. I pray for someone in this room who maybe feels like they are hopeless, that they will never overcome the darkness. But God, I'm so grateful that light does its best work in darkness. That you do your best work when the situation seems like it's helpless. God, we surrender. We say, God, not our will. It sure will be done. In Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, amen. And amen. Come on, can we give God praise tonight? Come on, God is good. Come on. Yummy booties, it's okay. You are dismissed.